Welcome to today's online message from Long Eaton Oasis Christian Centre. We are a church at the heart of the community, with a heart for the community. And we're so glad that you've joined us. We hope that you'll be inspired and encouraged today. Please don't hesitate to contact us. If you want to find out more, you can visit our website, www.longeatonoasis.co.uk, or you can direct message us. If you have a Bible with you, you might like to turn to James, the book of James, and chapter 1. And I want to take up the theme of temptation and how it can be a trap. And uh, we're going to take a few moments together. So James chapter 1 and verse 12. James 1 verse 12, I'm reading from the NIV. Blessed is the man who perseveres, man or woman for that matter, blessed is the man or woman who perseveres under trial because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised for those who love him. Verse 13, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when by his own evil desire he is dragged away and enticed. Then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth to death. Verse 16, don't be deceived, my dear brothers, Every good and perfect gift comes from heaven above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth. Temptation. Temptation is a trap. And I want to just take a few moments as we just look at this together. You know, in, in, in life and throughout your life and my life... We, we will experience at some point or from time to time temptation. No one is immune. No one will be immune from being tempted in some way with something. Even Jesus himself was tempted in the wilderness. And it says that the devil went away for another opportunity, waiting for another opportunity. So temptation, even if Jesus was tempted, and so temptation will come uh, anyone's way. And, and, and please don't think that this message isn't for you or me. It's for somebody else today. Because maybe you're not tempted on such and such a thing, but to another person, that is their temptation. And maybe for me, I'm tempted on a certain thing, uh, but, but for you, that, that isn't a temptation at all. Uh, and, and, you know, I've, I've seen um, over the years that some of the people that I've looked up to the most as a Christian have succumbed to temptation. I've known people who have walked a great walk as a believer and led in churches and uh, towards the end of that and, and had a great life and lived for God and led church well and then towards the end of their time before they came to even maybe come to that retirement point or whatever it might be, <coughs> fallen for a particular temptation. So... It may be that, you, you know, you're not the sort of tempting type. <laughs> Maybe. But please, let's all be aware. I think the key is to not become ensnared, to not give up, or to succumb, rather, to temptation. For we read about Jesus was tempted in every way, but did not sin in temptation. 
And that's probably the key for you and I. It's to not become ensnared. In verse 12, it says there, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. That word trial in the NIV can be translated trials and temptations. In the literal translation, in the NIV, it will say trial. If you read something like the New King James, it will say temptation. They're both they're correct. The literal translation will say trials. So the person that perseveres under trial and temptation, because when you've stood the test, you'll receive a crown that, that God has promised to those that love him. And so the key then is to, is to, when we're tempted, is to not become ensnared, but to be able to endure. And that's what we're going to look at over the next few moments um, this morning in the, in the little bit of time that we have together. So the first thing I would want to say is this. Um, deception. Don't succumb to the deception. Three things that we're going to look at. Deception, desire, and destruction. And so the first thing is this. Uh, don't be careful. Be on your guard to not succumb, to become ensnared by the deception. In verse 16, it says there, don't be deceived, my dear brothers. Every good and perfect gift comes from heaven above. Deception is, is something that's very powerful. It, it's something that looks good, that may even makes you feel good. And it might even be good. It's that close, almost real. That's what deception is. And uh, it's dangerous. Deception is dangerous, linked with a temptation. Temptation through deception is dangerous because it's tantalizing. And that's the thing about temptation. There's something tantalizing about it. It's, it's as if, I would say this, I feel that anyone can be enticed. Any one of us. And I'm not saying this to like all doom, emergency, be frightened. I'm not saying it like that. I'm just saying it's possible to be enticed. So we're to be aware. Just to be aware. And it's tantalizing. It's, it's, there's something about, I mean, I'm not an adrenaline. I'm, some of you may be, but I'm not an adrenaline junkie. Where you're, you're close to the edge. There's something about being close to the edge. People that do a bungee jump or do a skydive. There's something thrilling. You see, with temptation, there's something tantalizing and thrilling. You get close to the edge. You can be close to the edge of your marriage. You can be close to the edge in what you're viewing on your screen or your telly. You and I, and there's something about that, being close to the edge. I'm the sort of person that doesn't like going up to the edge. I like to stay well back from a cliff edge or a viewing point. Even if it's got thick glass that you could never push, I will stand back here. I won't sort of lean on it like that. But even, I would say, you've got to be aware. Being near the edge... There's something about temptation, the deception, and something tantalizing and bizarrely beguiling and thrilling. And that's why temptation works. That's why it can get you and I. And we've just got to be aware that there's the deception. And uh, there's, there, so there, there, there is this aspect 
that, that, that we have, just have to be aware. So it says, don't be deceived. So James is saying, be aware. Just be, you be aware. Uh, and that's a very easy thing to say when you're looking at it from far away. I can look at the edge from far away. But when you re- don't realise that you've come up to the edge, some, you know, and you're not then prepared... We can fall. So, so this is why we need a walk with God. We need a, a, a heart with God. We need a discipleship with God. We need to, to be in touch with God. We need our relationship with God. If we haven't given time with our relationship for a long time, then there's a danger that when you're up at the edge, we can fall. And so be aware. So this is what James is telling us is to be aware. Second thing, uh, desires. So there's a deception. And, uh, and so what does he say there? When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. You know, this isn't something God sets up for you. You know, we're going to tempt him. This isn't something. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. So God doesn't set a task. But each one is tempted. This is what James says. When by his own evil desires, dragged away and enticed. By our own even desire, it's the it's the the me I and I in me. I know you're a Christian. I know you love God. You know we're born again. You may say, and well, it can't happen to me. But there's something inside each each of you and I. There there is the, there's still a part of me which I'm giving God daily. I'm being being transformed, changed from glory to glory. But there's some, there's a me I and I. Part of in you and I is that bit that flies off in rage. It's that bit that can succumb to, to addiction. It, there's, 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 that, there's that, that part of me. And this is why we give our hearts to God daily. We die, we, we pick up our cross. Jesus said, come and pick up your cross and follow me daily. And so there's that. And so he says that it's the, it's, the, it's the evil, it's the unredeemed, it's the me, my, and I part of me where, where God has to get hold of. I've got to give God my heart and my mind, my heart and my life. And he says it's, it's, it's those evil desire, those desires, you know, desire in itself, God places desire in our hearts. And when, when, when in the right place and done in the right heart and in, in, with, with God's guidance and in his, in his will and his way, then that, that desire is right. And grant, God puts the desire and grants the desires of our heart in that respect. But there's, the, the bit that James is talking about is what Paul refers to in the book of Romans as the flesh. The unredeemed aspect of me. And, and, and this is the, the now and not yet aspect. We're, we're, our name's in the Lamb's book of life. We, we're born again. And yet, there's, there's a, I will, if I see Jesus face to face, I'll be perfect. When I see Jesus face to face, I will be perfect. But in this, in this, in this body, my body, there's an aspect of me. And, and it's bringing my life, my body, my heart, my mind, before God saying, I give you my heart today. Take my life and let it be dedicated to you. I, I take up the cross again today, Jesus. I nail to the, I'm nailed to that heart, that part of the unredeemed part to the cross again. And there's those desires within. You know, trials, we looked a, a couple of weeks back about trials, troubles, they're on the outside. Temptation now is on challenges on the inside. Sometimes it's sometimes hard to deal with the challenges on the outside. And I would say sometimes the challenges on the inside 
because no one else sees but you know. That can be even harder, perhaps. And so James is saying, you know, be aware, don't be deceived. It's, 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 it's that unredeemed aspect within us. And, and, and he says this, and, but each one is tempted when his own evil desire is dragged away and enticed, enticed and dragged away. Now, interestingly, the word that he's using there when he says enticed and dragged away, it's the picture of being falling for the hook, line and sinker. It's fishing talk. It's fishing talk. And the picture he's using there is um, the, the fish that takes the bait, that is hooked, and then is reeled in and dragged away. And that's exactly what temptation is like. Uh, there's an enticement. It looks. There's a bait. And when we succumb, if we're not careful, you're hooked. It doesn't have to be just alcohol. You say, I've got no problems with alcohol. I'm teetotal. Could be anything. And then the line drags away. And it drags us away from God, the heart of God, his desire for your life, his goodness. It can drag us away. I was reading, and one writer said, the dynamics of temptation is love, is, is love for the world is greater than love for God. The dynamics of temptation. And he said this, that love for the world is greater than a love for God. Interestingly, 1 John 2, 1 John 2, verses 15 to 17, reads like this. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love for the Father is not in him, not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. It's very similar to what James is saying. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of the God lives forever. The dynamics of temptation is when the love for this world, the love of the world, is greater than the love of God. So we've got to give attention to our relationship with Jesus. There's a key there. There's a key there in our hearts and in our lives. And when he says the love for the world, you know, you can love life. You can love living in this world. That, that's good. That's not wrong. But it's when we put what we see and can get and living for this and now, that's the world, above living for God and loving God, then the dynamic of temptation is built in a very powerful way. And so there's this bit where we're pulled away and we can be grabbed. And so, you know, over the years, I've, I've met people that have just said, it's got me. I never knew it would get me. I never thought this would happen. And that's how the desires kick in. Finally, it leads to death. And we see there... We, 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 uh, we read there, it leads to death and destruction. Verse 15, we read, 
Then after desire, so, so uh, we, it's our evil desires. And so if once we're gripped, then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. It leads to a, to a destruction. And the picture that he's using there is of conception and childbirth. It's a different picture now. He moves from a fishing, falling for the bait and getting hooked. Now he's using a completely different picture. James uses the... Uh, the, the, the uh, the metaphor of, of conception and then the child growing. And the child there is, 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 is the temptation growing, whereby it, it leads to destruction. And, that, and that's what is given. Rather than life, you know, God gives life, not destruction and death. And, and ironically, and so what we hear today, what we hear today, and we're going to look at how we can deal with this, might be the salvation of your marriage. What, what we share today might, might, might deliver you from pornography, destruction. And so he says there, it, it grows. What grows will lead ultimately. And you, you often hear people that, that will say, you know, it was thrilling. I never realised it would come to this. I never realised it would come to this, the destruction that is caused. Okay, what can we do? And uh, the, this next half of what I want to share is, is looking at, there are some amazing things that we, that we can know. And uh, how, to, how do you treat temptation then? Um, how are we going to treat temptation? How are we going to deal with it, in other words? I want to say to you that Jesus understands. This is the good news. After, some, after, after me taking the last 15 or 16 minutes of very sobering, because James is straight to the point. And so what we're sharing this morning is pretty straight to the point. It's pretty in your face. And that's exactly the way that James has shared it here. There, 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 are, there are some amazing things uh, that, that we can uh, do and know um, so that we are able to uh, you know, endure and overcome temptation so that we might know the freedom of God in our hearts and lives. And the first thing I want to say is this, that Jesus understands you and understands temptation. An amazing verse, a couple of verses I want to read, found in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 to 16. They're not going to come up on the, the screen, but um, these are written for you and I to encourage us when we're being tempted. How about this? If Hebrews 4, verses 14 to 16. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. This is how you can hold firmly to your faith, okay? We've got a great high priest who understands what it is to be tempted. And, you, and, and, and listen to this now. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to feel sympathy. That word literally means empathy, feel what you feel, for our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way. Get this. We do not have a high priest who is unable to feel sympathy for our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way. Just as we are. I mean, that's incredible. That's, that's radical. That's astounding. I would say it's astonishing. Jesus was tempted in every way, just as you and I are. That's outrageous. I think even to see it read there, it's, out, it's astounding. 
But look at this. Just as we are, yet he did not sin. Never. He was perfect in that. And yet he experiences all that we experience and understands. And the word there, sympathy, empathy, means he can enter into your skin. He feels and is able to help. How about that? That's quite astounding. And so for you and I, there is an amazing opportunity in our relationship with Jesus Christ to call upon his help in our time of need. And, and not only in our time of need, I was saying our time of need will, will be, if we come back a bit, I would say your daily walk and your relationship with Jesus will help you in your time of need. If you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ and, and, and some sort of daily walk, some sort of discipleship, some sort of um, relationship whereby you're giving your heart uh, each day in cultivating a relationship, that, 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 that daily cultivation, that reflection on his word, that, re, that speaking to Jesus, that, that uh, uh, abiding in the Holy Spirit, that will help you in your time of need. And Jesus is the one who can help us. How amazing is this? You know, in, um, and so Hebrews 4, verses 14 to 16, please go away, write it down, read it, think about it, meditate on it for yourself. Encourage your own heart and life if you're going through trouble right now, if you're feeling weak right now, if you're feeling tempted, if you feel that you're succumbing to something, then come back to him. We have a high priest who is loving and true and good and kind and gracious and powerful and who feels what we feel and yet he did not sin and can impart all of that love, grace, mercy, healing and deliverance in and through your heart and life. And that's the good news. That is the good news. The, throughout the Gospels, there is an account of Jesus in a wilderness experience. You may know it very well. It's where Jesus is led into the desert by the Holy Spirit. And in the desert for 40 days, he fasts 40 days and 40 nights without food and drink. And um, during that time, it says he's tempted by the devil or tempted of the devil. And... There are th three things that I would say that, and, and it says that he didn't succumb. He dealt with that temptation. And then after that temptation, came back in the power of the Spirit. And there's three simple things that he, he did. Uh, you'll see them up on the screen. You know, number, the first thing I say we can learn. So Jesus is the one who knows how you feel. Jesus is the one who is, is able to help you in a time of need. And there's three, there's three simple things you can learn from the wilderness experience of Jesus. And if you... If you look at it in the Gospels yourself, we haven't got time to do that because I want to sum up in the next few moments, really. But um, there are three simple things that Jesus did in the desert to overcome temptation. The first one is this. He had a profound love for his father and he knew his father's love. So much so that it, it was, uh, for him, this sense of supreme love and trust of the father meant that he would unswervingly desire to please God and obey God. He was going to do everything he could to obey and please God. And that obedience and, and that he wouldn't succumb to anything, any temptation to you know, worship the devil, to throw himself down off a clifftop, you know, to make stone into bread. He, he loved his father so much and felt his father's love that he was just going to please his father. Remember we read earlier the dynamics of temptation is loving the world more than loving God. In the reading of John that we read earlier, 1 John, well, Jesus had this experience of the Father's love. And he loved the Father. And for you and I, this is our relationship. 
our relationship and love for God and his love in our hearts and us knowing we are loved is something it cannot, we underestimate. We underestimate terribly the power of the love of God. And for you and I, it speaks of our relationship to give attention to our, your discipleship. You know, we're gathered together as a church, but you, you have your own life and time in your own walk each day. And for you in your own walk each day is for you to gather to God. Just as we are gathered like this, you and I will have an opportunity each day to gather with God. Gather our hearts with God. That's called being a disciple. And that's where we'll build our love, our relationship. We'll hear God speak into our hearts. And so love for God. And this is incredibly powerful. It defeats the dynamic of temptation. Because the dynamic of temptation is given um, uh, strength through greater love for the world than the love for God. And so this daily walk and knowing his love and loving him is incredibly powerful. And it's the key to Jesus' heart. I know you say he's the son of God. But loving the Father and being loved, it's beautiful. Second thing is this, we see, and so we see this in the desert. And the second thing is this, and, and this is exactly what James says about this love for God, because in James 1 verse 16, don't be deceived, dear brothers, every good and perfect gift comes from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights. So James 1.16. So James is saying, focus on the Father. He's saying, he's saying the same thing what I've said in a different way. So in James 1.16, he's saying, focus on the Father. Jesus loved the Father, had the love of the Father. And James is saying, everything of good of, comes from God. It's the love of the Father. And when we know that God loves us, we know that he's got good intention for us. When we're going through a challenging time, love God, be loved by God, walk with him. Second thing is know the word of God. Uh, the, uh, Jesus had a deep and experiential knowledge of the scriptures and how they applied to his life. You don't have to be a Bible expert, but you read the New Testament, the Old Testament, but particularly the New Testament. You're reading it and you're seeking to apply it. You reflect on it. You know, Word for, t- Word for Today, the little Bible app, Word for Today, has a daily reflection, has a word a little verse each day. I tend to do a reading throughout the year. But there's a word every day. There's a little verse or a couple of verses every day on the Bible app. And it says for you to reflect on. Reflecting on God's word. Taking a moment to stop. Even if it's just a few moments. To each day. It's simple stuff. It's basic stuff. But it's powerful. See, if Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. He applied it to his heart. How amazing is that? And for you and I, you'll say to people, you know, well, you shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't, you shouldn't, you know, you're married. You shouldn't be entertaining this flirtation with this person at work. Common sense, is it? But the word of God, the love of God in your heart and the word of God It's incredibly powerful. It's incredibly powerful. It's incredibly powerful. And Jesus had this experiential knowledge and application of the living word. And you do not have to be an expert. And if you think, I don't know the Bible very well, that's not the point. It's reflecting on the word. It's reflecting on the word. Come again. It's like to say, you know, you wouldn't have a dinner. Say, well, I ate once. Don't need to eat anymore now. 
You know, we have to eat the word. <laughs> you know, don't we? <laughs> have to day. There are some people that, that don't eat all day and then they binge at night and they put a lot of weight on. You know, we're to, we're to eat a little bit. You know, you just eat. Eat the word of God. Eat the, you know, you, you know, you, you know you don't, I don't need to say. And finally, Jesus didn't rely on his own strength, but the power of the Holy Spirit, even the Son of God. It says that Jesus was led into the wilderness. If you read Luke's account of the wilderness experience, Luke is a very amazing. He, he really highlights the Holy Spirit in, in his account of the wilderness. So read the account in Luke. It says that Jesus was led. One translation says driven. How about that? Compelled by the Holy Spirit to go into the wilderness. And then there's this 40 day experience in the wilderness, temptation by the devil. He doesn't succumb. He the love of the Father. He quotes the word of God. And then it says that after that, that Jesus was, came back in the power of the Spirit. And then there's lots of healing miracles when he comes back. It's amazing. Read Luke's account. Jesus relied, the Lord Jesus Christ relied on the person and power of the Holy Spirit. We didn't just talk about the Holy Spirit. We didn't just allude to there, there is a Holy Spirit. There is a Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Oh, yes, there is a Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit was embraced in his heart and life in all of his fullness and, and, and strength. And for you and I, there comes moments in our lives and, and our daily walk in our lives where we, we can't rely on ourselves. If I relied on me, I get into a mess from time to time. And we're called to rely and, and, and on the person of the Holy Spirit, to, to welcome the person of the Spirit into our hearts and lives, to open our hearts to the Holy Spirit, to give our lives to the Spirit of God. To, to, to be aware that, uh, you know, I, I can't just do it my, my way, myself, but I need you, Jesus, to come with humility and embrace the Holy Spirit. And, you know, you can be in a Pentecostal church, is what we are, and you cannot embrace the Holy Spirit. We can talk about it, but our hearts can be sometimes impervious. Maybe as you've been hurt, maybe, maybe you, you know, your walk with God isn't as close as it used to be. And, and we can become distant from the Spirit of God. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Come back, come back. Let's pray together. The worship team could come back, that'd be great, thank you. We're going to... Do you need to come back? Do you need to draw near... I don't say that in a triumphant way. There's many a time I've had to draw, come back again. The only reason I say, do you need to come back, is because I've had to come back. I've had to draw near again and again and again and again. I know it works because I've had to do this myself. You know, you and I, I always shut this door, I don't like it open. I know it's a foible that I have. <laughs> you and I, you and I need to come back again and again. We do. We need to come back. We've got a loving Father, great Jesus, beautiful Saviour, Holy Spirit. Maybe you've been shaken by circumstance. Maybe there's amongst us this morning, in, in this full house, the way that it is, with so many of us gathered here. I don't know how, how come there's still so many here when all the youth walked out. I don't get it. It's incredible. There were so many young people this morning. But I wouldn't be surprised if some of us are dealing with the challenge of temptation. 
And I don't say that in a condemning way, but a way that says there is a way, and his name is Jesus. He's the saviour of the world. He puts out his hand and says, come. Come to me. I'll renew your eyes. I'll restore your heart. I can change relationships. I can heal your body. renew your broken heart there's the words of an, an old song all to Jesus I surrender and the refrain is we're not going to necessarily sing that now but it's just in my mind I surrender all should we stand together just for a moment if you can stand if you, you can remain seated if you're finding standing difficult but if you can stand Let's open our hearts and I'm, I'm going to suggest that we open our hands. The open hands is a very powerful thing throughout the Old Testament. We, and we see it in, in the New Testament. You know, it says, it talks about lifting up holy hands. You know, it says, Paul says to the men, lift up holy hands before God. But um, uh, throughout the Old Testament, they, they were open. The opening of hands, is, you probably hear it from many others. The opening of hands is very powerful. It, it, it's a way of saying... Surrender, submission. You let go. Uh, you don't have to hold them up high. You can hold them in front of you. But if you can hold them on hold, you can. Uh, but it's so powerful. And it, it signifies externally what you what mean in your heart. It's a way of worship also. I'm giving you my life. It's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful when I discovered what it means to lift up hands to open my hands before God. You know, we enter this world with hands like this, not with anything in them, and we'll vacate this world. But we give our lives to God. By being empty, we can be so full. Full of love, full of grace, full of healing. So let's empty our hands. Father God, see our hands, see our lives, see our hearts. You see this morning the external, but then that which is in the heart. And this morning, Lord, if we struggle with temptation, we come before you, giving you our lives and hearts. I pray, Father God, for a tremendous mercy to fall upon this place. A tremendous mercy, Father God. Merciful Jesus, would you release a tremendous mercy a wave of grace, a powerful forgiveness, a cleansing flow, a release, that word of freedom of restriction. Anyone that's gripped, if we think, oh, I've fallen for the bait, it's too late now. Take the hook out of their mouth right now, Lord Jesus, I pray. I pray for freedom, release, hope. I ask for a wave of healing, relationship, heart, minds, people's bodies. Mercy and grace, Father God, as we give our hearts and lives to you, I unreservedly submit my life to you, Jesus. See our hands, see our hearts, we pray. Holy Spirit, would you come and fill me afresh? If this is you this morning, Please pray. Please come and fill me afresh. Holy Spirit, be released with 
newness of hope and life, strength, encouragement, power. Not in my strength, but yours, we pray, Father. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We're going to sing together as we seal what we pray. Let's sing together as we seal what we pray. It's powerful to say amen. Let it be. The amen is, so be it, Father. Let it be. You know, that word amen, it it means I agree. Let it be. So be it. It's powerful. It's more than just uh, a little full stop on the end. That's it done now. But let it be done, Lord. Let it be. Let it, let it be as, as you want it to be in my life. Amen. And we say that. And as we sing, let it be, Father. Let it be. Amen. Released in this place and through our lives. In your name we pray. Draw me close to you. shared this over a, a, a number of mornings that in my early days as a Christian I was came into a, 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 in the 80s in a, in a church that had we, there was a season of prayer triplets we, we were praying for um, Billy Graham crusade but we were praying for one another and this, this church of about 80 people in, it was in Aldershot Hampshire and the church was praying praying for one another I think it's important that we encourage one another it's so important that you involve yourself in, in a, one of our small groups can't make you we don't seek to make anybody but I've been saying and we've said for year after year after year it's important that we join a life group that you can have other people that gather and pray with you and for you and around you if I'd love you I'd love you to say to some other Christian friends would you come and pray with me stand with me 
I know that when you make yourself vulnerable, you've got to be secure in that. So we're not asking you to come and tell us everything about your life. But we want to stand with you. It's important that we stand with one another. We encourage one another. It's important that we pray for one another. Sometimes in a church, as our church is growing again, it's it's difficult. It's important to be mixing with others. You might say, well, I'm not a people person. That, 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 I, well, well, I will understand that. I, okay, you know, that's fine if you feel that. But we would encourage you to, to be part of a group. It's so, it's so important. People in your group can stand with you, pray with you. If you're not in a group, then get some others to come and stand and pray. Not necessarily to agree with you in your temptation. Other friends, it says, will admonish and encourage. So sometimes you need a Christian friend to say, is that the best thing you should we'll stand with you and pray with you we won't talk about you we love you it's important that we speak encouragement into each other it's important that we also say is that wise is that a good thing to do we're so scared today because we we'll, we'll get involved in people's lives and tell them what to do no we don't tell anybody what to do we come to Jesus and he guides us but we should be encouraging each other and saying, do you think that's wise is that the best thing for your life will that not lead to destruction That's called admonishment. And then to encourage, hey, we'll stand with you. We can help you. Jesus will help you. We'll pray with you. And this is what, in church, the body ministry, this is body life. And you know, this is for you and I. We wanna pray with you. If anybody, if anything I've shared today strikes a chord, you don't have to come to the front per se, because somebody says, oh, they got temptation. Come and have a chat with me, email me. Text me, speak to me at the door, pop into the office, I'm around during the week, even if it's impromptu and I'll do my best. We'll look to support you, we want to pray with you, encourage you. In your life group, get someone to pray with you. If you're not in a life group, join one, please do, please, please, please do. Come along to the ladies, four o'clock next Sunday as well. Father God, I just pray right now that there will be a release of forgiveness and hope I pray for people who are standing on the edge I pray if there's anyone this morning standing on the edge that you will draw them close to you and you'll give them the courage to come and talk so that we might maybe pray that Holy Spirit you, you, you convict, you don't condemn you convict, that's very different there's no condemnation for those in Jesus but you do convict And I pray for a spirit of conviction to be released, but with it also a tremendous spirit of love and hope. And I pray all around this auditorium, friendship, releasing of encouragement, that we might be able to venture out in the groups and join a group and meet another Christian and be encouraged and pray and speak into each other's lives. Because we want to follow you, Jesus, to be drawn to you, to live for your glory. We know it's the best life. It's a good life. You give us life to the full. And Father, I pray for a release of hope and forgiveness, that life to the full, so that we'll taste and see that the Lord is good, that we might taste today that your goodness, Father God, healing hearts, healing bodies, healing lives, healing marriages, healing homes, healing our streets, Lord, healing our town, healing our nation. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Don't rush away. We're going to be serving drinks. Speak to somebody. Want to come and speak to me? Speak to Pastor Andrew. We'd love to talk with you.
God bless you.